0: and that's one thing that candy really helped me in the beginning is making a list so I'm like what are the positives and negatives of this because if you don't make a list you're just gonna be overwhelmed and say oh I want the voice thing but do I want this it's like no you need to do the research this is changing your hormones you know you might see somebody on Instagram that you think that has gone through a medical transition in XYZ way but you don't know everything
1: rights have been very publicly in the news lately. And while the landscape is evolving to be more inclusive of transgender people, the experience can easily be misunderstood. For instance, pronouns. For me, it still takes me a second to wrap my mind around they as a single person, but I'm in support. But more than that, I really wanted to understand the experience better. I mean, what does it really feel like when you don't feel like you fit in anywhere, or that your gender assigned at birth just never felt right. So I invited Frankie Love, assigned female at birth, and identifies as transgender. Pronouns are he, him, and they. And his wife, Candy LaCour, who you will also get to know. I was really taken back by how evolved both Frankie and Candy are independently and as a couple that practices ethical non-monogamy. Yes, everyone, this was the most fascinating and one of the most insightful interviews I've done and one that I think is really, really important. And I learned way more about the gender-bending identities and how they can change and evolve. Frankie has really been fiercely advocating for transgender and queer rights among many others. All right, I'm gonna get right to it, and I will say if you want to learn more about my guests and or finding your place in the story of changing a culture, go to allisonhair.com and get everything you need there. Here is my chat with Frankie Love and Candy Lacour. Frankie, would you mind introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background. And I I will say that what I'm excited about is you're going to be sharing your story of transition um, and we're going to be learning a little more about uh, what that experience has been like for you. So I'm so excited to have you. I think it's such an important story too.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. So yes, my name is Frankie. I am an AFAB, so I was assigned female at birth. I identify as a transgender person and a non binary person. I previously have identified F to M, meaning female to male. And currently, at my current stage in my evolution, as I like to call it, I don't really find value in the man uh, category at the moment, mm. but I like being seen as masculine. So I would say my proper identify, you know identification at the time would be transmasculine and you know that can change and that's the best beauty you know about gender you can make it what fits for you best
1: I have so many questions about that if of of the evolution of identifying as masculine or non-binary at what and I think what's great about it is 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 that gender fluid
0: yes so it can be so i always like to coach um some of you know people in my life if they need you know assistance in that department sometimes i like to coach them and say so do you find value in this so if you say gender fluid gender queer non-binary any of these identifying you know names if they feel good if you're like yes that's me Hmm. that's awesome but if it doesn't feel good, then you don't say that. Even though, you know, technically they're kind of very similar and they're under what we like to call as the trans umbrella. So the trans umbrella is like this big umbrella that all of these identities can be underneath, like genderqueer, non-binary, trans masculine, transfeminine, um any of these identifying, you know, names if you find value to it, you know that is beautiful if you don't if you're like that's not me you know if you think that so I've had some queer youth say I'm not trans but I'm genderqueer you know and I'm like okay babe this is so confusing right well yeah so it, it doesn't have to be because it's okay. simple right so where if there. are You know, there's a cisgender person. So like you as a cisgender woman, you were assigned female at birth. You find value in identifying as a woman. Yeah. And the way that you present is very, you know, a little bit more feminine, you know, for you. Right. And so if you find value in that, just like my wife, Candy, she identifies as a cisgender woman. She feels valuable in that. Right. Or me, I'm not cisgender to where I'm transgender. And... Sometimes in your journey, as I like to call it, Mm. you find different, you know, pockets where you're like, that feels good. And then this can feel different. And if you give yourself permission to change and evolve, then that's okay. So anyway, so with that, cisgender, you know, someone like you and like Candy, transgender, someone like me and lots of other beautiful people in the community, technically... If you're not cisgender, you're transgender. So on the technical level, some of the queer youth like they they don't identify, as, you know, as cisgender, so they're technically that. But however, if they don't want to claim that name and identify that way, they don't have to. I'm like if you say you're purple, you're purple. Mhm. You know, whatever makes you feel good in that moment. And I can also relate to that because like I was saying earlier like I used to be like I am a man and like when we would go out and I would get misgendered and I would just feel so I would just, uh, the gender dysphoria would just go over my body. And when I say gender dysphoria, that means that for me as someone that was assigned female at birth, the um, projection of society's views and their, their look at me and they're like, that is a female that's a she, her versus not seeing me as either. And not giving, making me have that identity. And so, as a trans person, sometimes if you choose to medically transition, pre-medical transition, you have this time period of dysphoria that, for me especially, you overcompensate. So I was like, I'm a man, I'm this, I very much overcompensated, and it made it where I was overly masculine in ways that's just not authentic and then once I had top surgery and then was on hormones for a certain amount of time I felt more comfortable Hmm. and then I was like oh I can be a soft man that's okay or a soft guy you know I can allow myself to be you know more feminine at times but still have this masculine presentation and still have facial hair and still have You know, not have a flat chest, you know, and still feel empowered in that versus what people, when you walk into like a a Starbucks and you get a coffee and somebody's going to look at you and size you up. And as a trans person, sometimes you're scared. You're like, how is this going to go? And for this cisgender person, they don't even think about that. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, okay. You know, and now with COVID, it's even different because you have masks on and everything, so it's like even more confusing. But it's like going to the get your driver's license, going to do um, anything medical, you know, just basics, going to a dentist, going to any of these places. You as a trans person walking in there know that there might be a situation that somebody's going to misgender you, or you're going to feel uncomfortable. Just by existing.
1: I couldn't imagine what it might feel like to feel like wherever
0: you go, you don't feel seen. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's seen, as you like to say, is different. Mm -hmm. So like for someone like me, um, I personally go back and forth because I used to be wanting this male presentation so bad. And then now I have it. And sometimes I, like, get this privilege, this, like, white male privilege.
1: I was wondering, do you get treated differently? Oh,
0: completely. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I look around and I'm like, oh, I I wanted this. But it's a very difficult thing to swallow going from female privilege to male privilege, especially white male privilege. Mm -hmm. And so what I try to do is utilize my privilege and use it for good. You know? What does that look like? So... Uh, So I'm a barber. I have a barbershop, head canvas barbershop in Decatur. And um, for me, I have all different types of clients, kids, queer youth. I have, you know, cisgender, transgender, all different types of folks that come and sit in my chair. And the education process for me, I think I get a lot of fulfillment in (laughs) the cisgender male category because they can sit in my chair and, you know, treat me like a quote, like a guy like a man and sometimes and i've i've groomed all of my clients at this point so they know Mm. not to say this (laughs) right but in the past when i've worked at other barbershops and stuff like that i've been that setting some guys just sit in your chair and they say these things to me because they think that i'm gonna get affirmation from this like bro man locker room talk and i'm like "Mm, swerve hold on a second what did you say no, I don't want to see a picture of the girl you're dating. Nope. Nope. I don't want it. Did she give me, did she give you consent to show that to me? I don't want to see that. And they're like, what? What? I thought you were like one of the guys. And I'm like, Nope, that's not how it is. And I'm also like trying to train them how to respect women and how to respect themselves in situations and not let the, up, uh, you know, if they were raised, especially in the South with like, you know, a little bit of a toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. Um, you know, (laughs) hold on top of them. Uh, So it's partially how they were raised in that way. However, you can't use it as an excuse. So why not try to push change in that department? Do you think
1: we're in a good spot right now to be able to have that conversation in a bigger way? In other words, when somebody sits in your chair and you have an opportunity to kind of educate somebody, do you feel like, we have a chance to educate people on a cultural level, or do you feel like, God, we have so much further?
0: I feel pretty confident about um, change happening because trans people, previously to a few years ago, we were just a joke. We were just, um, you know, oh, that man in a dress, that woman in a suit, this, that. If you look at old movies and stuff like that, it's uh, queer people in general, we're just the joke, we're the punchline. And now there's more visibility, mm-hmm. right? So now people don't feel like they're alone. And now that visibility saves lives. And that to me is my main purpose, is to help prevent suicide. You the know?
1: suicide rates in the trans community, especially for youth, are insane. Yep. And I can see why. Yep. I can see why of feeling like you don't belong anywhere. And not that you don't belong anywhere, but you're not made to feel, or at least the the culture, the society is not set up to allow you to feel like you've got a place. And that has to be
0: devastating. Yeah. Ignorance, um, honestly, a lot of the time is the problem because the people are just not aware of it. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents, for example, you know, I grew up in the South and, you know, very small town in Georgia. And I, you know, didn't have the space set for me to be myself. And my parents, it took them, you know, it's now been like 17, 18 years since I was outed. Anyway, fast forward to now, they're supportive. But back then, they weren't.
1: When you say outed, does that mean that you were not choosing this?
0: Yes. So I did not choose to come out when I was 16. I was outed uh, at the time as a lesbian. And um, it was in, you know, Uh, 2006, 2005. Did you feel
1: like a lesbian or did you feel like that was the proper
0: word at that time based on just access to information? Yeah, exactly. So that's a great question. So at the time, I felt very empowered in that identity. And so that's a good thing to bring up too, because sexuality and identity are two Mm -hmm. totally different things. So a good way to think about it is who you go to bed as that's like your identity and your gender. So I go to bed as Frankie transmasculine, queer, pansexual person, right? Who you go to bed with, that's your sexuality, that's who you're attracted to. So like people group them together a lot and it is the LGBTQ plus community, but if you group them together and th- assume, you know what I mean? If their trans person mm-hmm. is trans, that doesn't mean that they're attracted to the same assignment at birth as they are, right? Mm-hmm. So putting those together and separating them also, like seeing the difference in it, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people literally think like, oh, you're trans, especially trans women, they assume they're quote gay or they put them in this category. And then they also put, people trans people in this pedophile category which is just wild to Mm. me and that's what why would that be the case because it's ignorance it's if you don't surround yourself with it right like my parents like i was saying earlier like i have shown them and i have helped them see it and i've introduced them to the community i've taken them to gay pride Mm. we've done all the things you know to where if my parents didn't have me as a child like they would never be you know exposed to this kind of stuff like I was like the president of the GSA when I was a senior in high school you know and I was like there was like five of us you know and I was I was so I was an activist back then you know Mm -hmm. and it was in a small town that like (laughs) I remember putting up signs for the GSA and putting up a sign and then this football player walking what is GSA Gay-Straight Alliance. Okay. So it's not as inclusive back then because we didn't right. have the language yeah, for yeah. it, right? So this football player like pulled the sign just off the wall and like called me like a dyke or something like that. Mm. And I, you know, at the time was so like, ugh, I was not as confident.
1: Were you bullied? Did you feel like you were bullied back then?
0: I felt like I was bullied until like my senior year um, uh, when I was, and let's see, my junior, my junior year. So my junior year is when I was outed. And it was because I was dating one of the, you know, a popular girl that was like, quote, straight at the time. And so then people thought I was cool. And and I was like, oh, cool. That's convenient. But up until then, nobody knew who I was, you know. And then now I have like people on Facebook that are like, oh, my God. I remember you in high school. And I'm like, you didn't even like look at me. Mm -hmm. So don't try to. But for me, I try to be the bigger person and say, "Yeah, how are you? I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. Have you met my beautiful wife Candy?" Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, have you been following what's going on in the world? Cool, cuz we're trying to make change. Mm,
1: I love that. So, I know you said that <clears throat> you were outed at that time. Tell me what life was like, you know, as you as you It sounds like you've gone through a lot of iterations based on what was available to you the words the right. language the communities the support the resources
0: what was that like for you so when i was outed at 16 um, i identified at the time as like a lesbian and as gay and so i, I will start that here right so uh so i started that way then after a few years well no so i was outed as gay and then i told my mom and my dad that i was bisexual I was like, no, no, no. Was
1: that an easier way? Or did you not feel bisexual or that was just like an easier? It was a way. just need some men.
0: Yep. It was a way easier way. That is like the stereotypical way that you come out if you don't feel the space. Yeah. And that was totally my MO at the time. So then I was, you know, I was like bisexual quote. And then I dated, you know, just cisgender women. And so a few years later, maybe I was like, I don't know, 19 or 20. And my mom was like, so are you going to be with a man again? And I was like, no, mom, I'm gay. And she was like, okay, got it. So then a few years after that, then I started coming into realizing that I didn't feel cisgender. And that I didn't identify with uh, the perception of me being female, quote. And it was confusing to me because I do feel gender fluid. And that's kind of what the first term that gave me power was, gender mm. queer. And because I was like, I'm not a man, but I'm not like a woman. And so I started wearing binders. So a binder is something that you compress your chest. So you're like, it's like a big, you know, it's like a sports bra. That's like a larger sports bra that goes over your chest and it flattens your chest to make it wear.
1: What did it feel like to wear that?
0: Oh, my gosh. So was it empowering? Oh, my gosh. That's gender euphoria. I remember looking at myself and like touching my chest and being like, oh, my gosh. And Candy knows like the first time that I ever taped my chest with KT tape. That was the first time that I looked at my chest and right now I'm touching my chest right now, which is, I've had top surgery and I remember touching my chest and it was flat and I could have a button up shirt and just unbuttoned a little bit and it was so cool. And I just, to have that moment, I remember thinking like, I want this, but does that make me have to be in this other category? you know and so that is what helped me cultivate myself in knowing that i am gender fluid in all the ways where if some days i feel more masculine that's great if some days i feel more feminine that's okay and makeup and hair and clothes they're not those are just clothes and makeup and hair it doesn't make you xyz if that's not what you want to be however if you find value in it if like I can help, I can cut somebody's hair and give them a, you know, gender affirming haircut where I cut somebody's hair that had longer hair and wants it to be short. And then I cut their hair short and then they look at themselves in the mirror. Like I remember. You could probably
1: see that. You could probably spot like I nailed it. This is, this is how they feel inside.
0: Right. Cause I can relate to that too. Yeah. I remember touching my chest that first time and I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this feels right. You know, and. My journey is not everybody's journey, you mm-hmm. know, and that's like important to know that you know medically transitioning doesn't make you trans, you know, you don't have to. It doesn't. No, you don't have huh. to. So if you, as a transgender person, don't want to medically transition, meaning t- t- taking HRT, meaning um, testosterone for some hormone someone like replacement me. therapy, yeah. mm-hmm. So for me, as a assigned female at birth, I take testosterone. And people that are assigned male at birth, AMABS, they would take estrogen if that's something that they wanted. So if they wanted something physically different in their body. However, you can be transgender and identify that way without medically transitioning. And that's important because people don't always want to do that. Like I know trans guys that have been on T for 15 years and they have not had top surgery. You know
1: That I got. It. I thought you meant m- medically transitioning and then you're not a trans when you have medically transitioned.
0: No, 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 so let me rephrase that. So you don't have to medically transition. Yes, that part yeah. I know, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, so that's, sorry for the confusion. No worries. Yeah, so yeah, just saying that like, because a lot of people, um, once I started medically transitioning, they started taking me more seriously, you know, and. Was that I,
1: frustrating?
0: Very, and that's that's part of it, you know, where like now people can put me in this male category. And before, like, I was like, okay, no, I'm using he pronouns, and then they would misgender me, and now I use he, he, they. And for me, he feels good. It's not she. I never really wanted she, but I'm leaning really into they right now because they makes me feel really seen. Mm. Because sometimes my presence makes people uncomfortable. And I have had to learn that, and it's not because of me as a person. It's because of me looking the way that I do right now mm-hmm. as a white male passing person. You know, example like in a lift, right? I've been in a lift with someone and you know, we're wearing masks of course and it's you know, a safe environment and the I remember this uh, it was like a black woman and she was really sweet and I remember trying to out myself in a way like, you know, casually.
1: Do you feel like you have to do that? Like you have to kind of affirm who you are or like if somebody is looking at you like confused do you feel like you have to go out of your way
0: i mean uh the confusion i'm like okay it's working i love that Mm. yeah if i'm you like that okay mm, i like i've been confusing people since i was like 15 (laughs) my mom's always like no but it's okay No, (laughs) okay right so the confusion is fine um it's the assumption that i am like a white cis dude you know i i like The visibility of being a trans person as a trans masculine person. And so when I feel like my identity is erased in that way, where they're just like, oh no, you're now cisgender. And again, some trans masculine and trans men like that. That's what we call stealth. If you want to be stealth and you want to go in society and feel safer Mm. and be in a, you know, that makes you feel affirmed, that's good for you. I'm happy for you. But for me as Frankie, I find so much value in being super loud about the fact that I'm trans mm. and letting people know because me letting people know is showing other people that they're not alone and that this is okay and that I'm existing, I'm you know, thriving, I'm trying to do everything I can to help the community. And so that's my choice. I choose to be in this position. So if I get hate on Instagram or on social media or in person. Do you
1: get th- hate on Instagram?
0: Not as much anymore, um, but occasionally it happens, mm-hmm. but I again, if I have the spoons or the patience for it, I try to educate people and try to say, "I'm so sorry that you're hurting right now, and that um you're unaware of people like me, and you know we're just trying to live our lives and move forward and not have to uh be put in a category of othered." In a negative way, Mm -hmm. you know.
1: Why you? I know you said that you were an activist from a younger age. Why you wave the flag? Why is it so important for you?
0: I think it's important uh, for me personally in the South uh, growing up in Snellville too. It was just like there was only, you know, a few of us. And... Once I was outed, I was kind of like, well, shit, I'm here. Okay. (laughs) I guess I'm already out. Everybody knows I'm like the gay, you know? And so I felt um, like I had a a purpose, I guess. And even at a young age, even at a different time, before social media, the MySpace days, you know, back then, like it was before we had our phones up in our faces all the time and we can just see people on our phones. It was it was a different time and acceptance was different and people um, you know, just being queer, just literally being gay, a lesbian, bisexual, you know, just in this category back then was, you know, just so intensely offensive to people and trans people. We were still all the way over here Mm -hmm. because people just for, it was almost like we weren't there because we weren't being shown. And so people are like, yeah, LGBT, yeah. It's like LGBT, we're over here. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So the community and the disconnect with that, we're trying to merge these communities together and also see the value in it as a community. So that way we can make actual change and make people see that, you know, the reason why queer people are trying to be extra loud right now. We're not making up new terms. We have actually found. Ve- we've actually know the language now. Like how beautiful you have is a that? language. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Like I remember looking on Instagram, you know, ten years ago, like and seeing androgynous people, and like being like, oh my gosh, wow, I can't believe that's is that me? Like I I remember, and they weren't me, but it was like I saw a part of myself in this person, and. No matter your personal issues with your own body, you can still find a community in it and find, like, oh, I can relate to them in this way. You know, just because they're taller than me or skinnier than me or more muscular or more tattooed or XYZ, um, your personal journey is your own still. And you don't need to look at somebody else and say, since I'm not like this, I don't fit in this category. Yeah,
1: you know, I saw on your Instagram, um, I think it was like a week or two ago about your journey with the, the testosterone, the hormone replacement therapy, mm-hmm. where it showed where you um, had like your voice before mm-hmm. you started it and then it deepening. Yep. Does it feel exciting to hear your voice deepening? Because you choose, you don't have to take tea, it's right. a choice, right? Totally. You know, so I wonder, what was that like hearing your voice for you're like, oh, oh, yes, <laughs> I sound like I want to sound.
0: It was very empowering. That's why I documented it, you know, so much at the time. And I, you know, again, like everybody's journey is different. I really wanted my voice to be deeper. I really hated having a, you know, higher pitch voice. I wanted like the body fat distribution, which takes like years to really change. Like I like my face changed, like it's just, it's wild, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me, I found value in that. And seeing the evolution of myself is really beautiful to see as well as as giving myself permission to say, okay, if down the road you feel differently, that's okay. And it's not saying major differencing. It's meaning that like, I'm okay wearing makeup now. I'm okay um, wearing like kind of like, you know, Quote more feminine stuff when we perform, you know, because we we perform, we do burlesque sometimes. Candy that is and I. so
1: cool. So, do you do it together or do you do it separately?
0: So we do it together and separately, and Candy really is the real dancer, the apparently. star of the yeah, show. She's, she's the real dancer. I've learned. You're everything knockout, from her. Candy.
1: You are gorgeous.
2: Oh my god! Thank you so much for <laughs> saying that. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, I, and and I'm wondering too. I was listening to a podcast <clears throat> about a black trans man mm-hmm. and he was working at Target as a female and then he transitioned medically transitioned to male. And he was working under the same boss and when he became a male, he was taken more seriously at Target. He was offered a promotion where it was never even offered before, you know, as as a male and a black male too and he was saying how like this is kind of bullshit you know and i wonder what is life like how do people respond to you
0: right that's a great question um so he so being a black trans person you know that's like double right there you know cuz mm-hmm. i have this white skin on me whether i am presenting female or male i am still like i have this privilege on me for just being a white person right So then going from a white female to a white male was wild. I remember one of the first times um, was we worked, or I worked at this place and we had like a courtyard area. And so I would like go and, you know, be on my phone, you know, walking through on my lunch break. And there was this table of ladies that would eat there every day. And, you know, I would walk there almost every day, you know, on my phone. And there was this one time after I had been on T for like, I don't know, less than a year maybe, And I kind of like stopped at the table and I was on my phone, like probably texting Candy. And all the ladies were like high talking, all this stuff. And then when I stood there, they all stopped talking. And I literally like didn't realize it till a minute later. And like my presence made all of these women stop. And I literally like looked up and I was like, oh, oh, I'm. And I just like awkwardly like kind of scurried to the side because I realized I was like, holy shit, like my male presentation just made them be like, oh, there's a man here Mm. and we need to listen. And like, I'm like, oh God, no, 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 um, (laughs) hold on. No, you keep talking, please enjoy yourselves, you know? Or like I walked into a gas station, I remember, and it was like a gas station that was like, you know, um, not like the best uh, area, I would say. And so I walk in and like, there's like, you know, people over here checking out, people doing lottery tickets. There's like a family a woman with like her two or three kids. There's like some other people in line. There's like a line of at least three or four people. And then like the family. And I walk in and I went there to get like, I don't remember what I was getting, maybe gas and like, a, you know, and so I walk kind of up to the counter a little bit like and give space between me and the people and all of the people moved out of the way and then the guy behind the counter said sir can you come over here and i literally was like uh i nope i'm going to get a Gatorade and i like <laughs> went to the back of the gas station i was wow. like what the fuck just happened literally all of these people and you know it was uncomfortable for me because um, um my white male you know ness made all of these people all people of color move out of the way Like standing in line, a family with kids. And I was just like, oh, no, I'm gonna go to the back. And like, I hid back there for like five minutes till like everybody was gone. And like, it really fucked with my head for a minute, you know, because I was like, wow, my presence has this on it. And so then I thought, okay, what can I do with this, you know? And so if I am going to have this privilege, You know, because there's male and female privilege, right? Like my wife can, we can be somewhere and she can get female privilege in certain settings and I can, you know, use it to an advantage. But when like you are shook with it for the first time, when like I haven't had this ever, it's like kind of hard to accept because it really, it does piss me off in a way because I'm like, huh, I wasn't taken as seriously as a female, first of all. And now that I'm a white Dude, I'm taking more seriously. And then now I'm mad f- for every woman and every, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I couldn't imagine the level of sensitivity that you
1: have experiencing through all of the different iterations of that. And I wonder, outside of the stage, y- you know, is it more comfortable, is it more affirming for you to blend in or to stand out?
0: So I would say it depends on the setting. So mm-hmm. we... Um, Candy and I, we eloped in 2019 in Jamaica. And Jamaica is not a very LGBTQ, you know, welcoming.
1: Why'd you pick there?
0: We picked there because it was kind of a last minute thing. The place that we were supposed to have a small wedding fell through. And then we're like, well, we'll just go and have a weekend together. So that's kind of what we did Mm -hmm. in the hopes of having a ceremony in 2020. Then 2020 happened. But anyway, so we went and... When we were there, I'd had top surgery. So I had had, you know, my chest, a double mastectomy taken, you know, my chest down. And I had scars. And I, at the time, I was wearing silicone strips over the scars to protect it from the sun. But people still perceived me as like a cis guy. And they like, it's right in, like, you know, it's right here in front of you. This is how, you can see this. I have this look. And when we were there, like, we would talk to some people about it but when we were there it was a little nerve-wracking when it comes to safety and we were in a you know super nice resort so like they were like we'll take your money it's fine however it was there was one element of safety when it comes to that kind of setting overall besides that i definitely prefer to be like out that's why i like cover myself with the trans flag colors all the time and i like to talk to people about it because i have this different you know perspective you know like i i have like a secret in a way it's like not a secret it's like i have like i say like quote like with dating with women like i've had a period before you know i've gone through i've been i've had you know um just been put in this other category as lower than men and this other category to where i have this perspective where i've been all over the map you know where if women are going through something, I can empathize with that more. Or like a certain person, I mm. can like understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, if she's like, oh, I'm having, you know, period cramps or something. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah.
1: You've been all genders. Mm-hmm. I've been all over the map. So <laughs> and ungendered. Right, exactly.
0: All the genders. <laughs>
1: wow, that is wild. So can you share why, why the medical transition what did you feel like you were in the wrong body
0: so that's a good question so is
1: that obnoxious to ask
0: no that's a good that's a good question so there are a lot of trans people that feel that way that feel that they were assigned you know wrong at birth or they were born in the wrong body um for me i don't identify that way because i find value in my story Mm. and so i find that i feel like i'm like a unicorn you know um I, previously to getting on hormones, on HRT, testosterone, I always wanted top surgery because like I was saying earlier, when I'm in my 20s, I wore a binder and I was like, oh my God, this feels right. And hormones was something I was very skeptical about. And I went through therapy every week for a year before I did anything medically. And not everybody has to do that, but that was the choice that I decided to make because there are irreversible changes when you go on hormones yeah so if i were to go off of hormones my voice is not going to go back to where it was before um my body fat distribution will change it'll go back to like being more like feminine shape i'll get my cycle back um but you know some of the hair will lighten but it's not going to go anywhere Mm. so like some of these changes are irreversible so you have to keep that in mind so Mm you can change things like say if i didn't like the facial hair later i can shave it off you know Mm -hmm. whatever so for me top surgery was always what i wanted whether i wanted to go on hormones or not and i feel like hormones for me really affirmed me and especially the beginning and i'm who knows if i'm going to be on hormones indefinitely Who, who knows if i'll go down on my dose who knows if i'll go off of hormones you know, that's my story that I get to tell. And so if I find that some of the changes that medical stuff, you know, hormonally doesn't work for me, then I can just alter it and talk to my doctor and see, okay, what do I not like about it? And that's one thing that Candy really helped me in the beginning is making a list. So I'm like, what are the positives and negatives of this? Because if you don't make a list, you're just going to be overwhelmed and say, oh, I want the voice thing, but do I want this? It's like, no, you need to do the research. This is changing your hormones. You know, you might see somebody on Instagram that you think that has gone through a medical transition in XYZ way, but you don't know everything. That person could have been, you know, had facial hair before they went on hormones. That person could have, you know, you're a different person. So don't think that the results are gonna be the same for everybody. And then if something, some people take hormones and then they're like, oh man, should I have done this? Mm. It's like, you know, if that's the case, then sit down and write down how you feel. Do you need to change this? Do you need to work on it? Don't just be like, oh, I made the bad decision." It's Like, all right, let's talk about it with your therapist, with a professional, let's figure out what you wanna do.
1: This was a very serious decision.
0: Mm -hmm. All of it, yeah. And it should be for everyone. Yes, yeah, yeah. And again, like top surgery for me was not like the hardest decision about it was just financially how I was going to get there.
1: um, I'm afraid to ask this because I think it opens up a whole can of worms. When you are on HRT, is there insurance that covers it? Is it very expensive or is it more accessible?
0: So it really depends on your insurance. There is some insurance that does cover it for me, my insurance uh, covers, you know, part of it, you Mm -hmm. know, and I pay the copay. and for a lot of trans people, a lot of things are not covered. Yeah. Especially in the South. Mm -hmm. I had to raise money at multiple burlesque shows, and crowdfunding, and you know, to take the six weeks off of work. Not everybody is privileged enough to do that, you know. Luckily, I, you know, had my own business at the time, so I could do that, and so it is a lot of factors that you have to keep in mind and now that it's 2022 there's a lot more resources out there for people that's good to know yeah especially with a lot of things that are online like there's all kinds of like online hormonal services that you can do like talk to your doctor and they can mail them to you and you know depending on your situation Mm -hmm. so like a lot of people that are like well i can't go out because of COVID, or i can't do this it's like you we can find you a way yeah. You know, there's a way to get there.
1: Candy, I'm so interested. You have seen Frankie through so many of these evolutions. How did you two meet?
2: Absolutely. Uh, so first of all, my name, I'm Candy liqueur and I am a queer femme francophile burlesque dancer. And i What been- is francophile?
1: Uh, I think I-, I got queer femme. What is francophile?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I speak French and I'm obsessed with all things oh okay all right and so I um, you know everybody gives me all the little Paris knickknacks and things everywhere so um, Frankie and I have been together for almost five years and we have been married for three years and we met at a burlesque show and so he got to see me when I'm all dolled up with my hair and makeup and fake eyelashes and looking totally glamorous. And we did have a very beautiful love story. We do have a very beautiful love story. I was kind of like love at first sight. Yeah, we had a meet cute. We had a meet cute, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> we, we recently, like, <laughs> loved that term, mm-hmm. a meet cute. <laughs> um, and so when I first met Frankie, Frankie was identifying as male and was using he, him pronouns Um, However, he had not yet started the testosterone hormone therapy. He had not yet had his um, top surgery, which is the double mastectomy, chest masculinization, and um, the legal name change to change his name from the feminine name that he had been given at birth to his chosen name. Um, So I was a part of the journey for all of those steps along the way. And it's very clear to me what what a good positive journey this has been for him mm-hmm. and that he has been given the freedom to pursue his gender exploration without having to meet someone else's standards or norms or box of what a gender is going to be like or without thinking that, uh, well, if I transition from the gender that I'm showing to the gender I want to be, Is my partner still going to love me? And so having a strong support system that will still stay by your side throughout that journey has been a key component to what I see for trans people uh, feeling like they can properly move forward and not be stagnated because they fear retribution.
1: What was that like for you? You know of of what you wanted? were you afraid or you know, like it sounds like you were in a supportive position. I don't know if you have experienced this before or supported other people.
2: What was your journey like? That's a great question. And so I uh, Frankie is the first transgender person that I have ever dated. And so I did not have prior experience to helping anyone out with their journey or being that guidance along the way prior to, to meeting him. And it came really naturally to me to see that this is the right choice for him. This is the right move. And I I kind of think of him like a Pokemon sometimes, <laughs> and I know that's a unique analogy, but um, But my Frankie is ever evolving. Mm. And, you know, the Pokemon evolve from this form of a creature and then they evolve to a different form. And sometimes this Pokemon that starts out this way, you can evolve it. And the, you know, the caterpillar Pokemon could evolve into a moth or it could evolve into a butterfly. And the butterfly is actually a strong analogy in the trans community of that. A trans person can be in the caterpillar stage of their transition. They can be in the cocoon stage of their transition, or they can be in the butterfly stage of their transition. And so no matter which stage they're in, they are still valid as a trans person. So they don't have to have completed all of the transitional surgeries in order to be seen as trans. Mm. And so I I do have a, a lot of... I'm in a Facebook group for... Partners of trans people, and there are constantly people in this group who are saying things like, Oh, my partner and I were lesbians, and I really feel strongly that I identify as a lesbian. And I don't want you know, my partner just told me that they want to transition to you know, from being female to being male, but I That means that I would be dating a guy and I don't like that. And I, I, that has to be confusing in some ways, though. Yeah. Like, how do
1: you, how do you, how do you come to terms with that? Because it seems like, it seems like the adherence to a social identity is so important that it can fog, you know, like you, each social identity you have has a certain set of rules, you know? And so to have it be fluid, to have it, be the person that you love versus i don't know there's
2: there's a lot to unpack there most definitely um my um my take on labels is that you can let labels serve you let the label identify where the the label should identify you you shouldn't change yourself so that you can fit with what is on this label mm-hmm. and so if you identify as a lesbian that's fine and that's perfect but then if your taste modify so that the, you then feel, oh, well, now I'm attracted to this trans man. Yeah. And then it, that label of lesbian doesn't quite fit me anymore. Therefore, I'm going to modify that and say it, and it I identify as, as queer and not as lesbian because Can you tell me what
1: the difference is between queer and lesbian? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I don't know what I, I don't I, I've asked gay people what queer is, and they're like, I really don't know. (laughs) Gotcha. Uh,
2: So queer being more of the umbrella term for the entire LGBT community. And then having under the queer umbrella, you can be like gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, pansexual, any of the separate labels the same way that trans being an umbrella term where under the trans umbrella is the non-binary or trans-masculine, trans-feminine, F to M, female to male, uh, MTF, uh, male to female. And so all of those are under the trans umbrella where um, that's the gender identity spectrum. And then where the sexuality spectrum falls under the queer umbrella. Okay. And so instead of identifying as one sector under the umbrella, I can identify as queer, and that's the umbrella term. And therefore, I can switch between the different identities fluidly and not have it mess up with an identity, a label that I've attached. I think that a lot of times people attach themselves to a label, and then they stick to that label, even if... Um, their tastes change instead of letting the label reflect who they are. Do you think they... that's a big
1: challenge in the culture, in the community? It can be, yes.
2: Um, the fluidity. That being attached to the term lesbian or, you know, someone in my shoes, someone who is um, partners with someone who... um you know, Frankie never identified as female during the time that I have been with him. Um, However, some people do. Some people are in a relationship with someone who identifies as one gender. And then during the course of their relationship, uh, that person is going to change their gender. And if you still love that person, and it's Frankie is, is the same person, he's beautiful, and he even flourishes even more. And so as someone who loves him to see him being able to Flourish in his full self by having this gender euphoric gender expression That is a beautiful thing and I I only want that kind of comfort for the person that I love was
1: it was it Were you scared that
2: it would change? I the dynamic of your relationship I feel like it is very common for people to be scared. And I feel kind of unique in that I was not scared that Frankie's going to transition and I'm not going to uh, be attracted to him anymore. You know, if I, because I know that I know how I felt mm-hmm. and I know that my attraction to him was not isolated to, I'm attracted to his chest. And if he loses his chest, then I'm no longer attracted to him. That was not the case at all. And so, especially when you see how much pain having a chest gave him back when he had a chest, it was very psychologically damaging to him. He had a lot of moments in our relationship where he had to change his clothes like 5 times because there was a, a you could see the curvature of where a chest would be even though he was wearing a binder and and holding the girls down really tightly with being bound but then if he saw any kind of curve in the mirror then he would just feel so defeated and go and change his clothes again or it would be in the middle of summer and it's super hot outside but he would still wear a leather jacket because he didn't want anyone to be able to see that he had a chest Mm. he wanted to be seen as masculine and it was it was hurting him and causing him a lot of psychological harm to have that chest and so by eliminating that that didn't Change the way that I love him.
1: Mm. You guys have a really beautiful love story, at least what I can see on Instagram. And you both mentioned that you're pansexual, and I know that you are open about ethical non-monogamy for your relationship. Does that um, Does that change it? like the people that you have around you? I imagine that they have to kind of be supportive of all of this, you know, and be as open-minded. As that you know, like you guys have this beautiful love story, but there's more. There's more to that. Is it? Is it about uh, um, redefining
0: love? So we like to think about it, like you know, especially me. Like I'm Frankie Love. You know, <laughs> I have so much love to give. You know, and for us, you know, uh, personally in our relationship, we do have a hierarchical, you know, relationship where she's my wife. She's my primary partner. She comes first and anybody after her is amazing and I appreciate them, but she has, you know, she's my, my number one and that works for us. So when it comes to our openness, we, you know, we have a few partners and it's been interesting to see how people react because People are always like, "Oh my gosh, I, I don't know if I could do that." You know, like, and I'm <laughs> I like, "I can barely deal with one." <laughs> exactly. They have some kind of statement to say, right. or like I've had, especially cis guys that are like, "So how do you make that work? How do I convince my wife to do that?" <laughs> and I'm like, "That's not how it works." First of all, you communicate, and that's the main, yeah. you know, uh, factor in our. We have to overly communicate. So in one poly class that we took, it like for Al-A-Con or dragon Come one year there was this person that was saying um uh, for a monogamous relationship you have to have uh middle school communication skills for a polyamorous or non-monogamous relationship you have to have phd communication skills mm. so like you have to break things down and have really uncomfortable conversations sometimes and have to figure out boundaries and have to go through things and see um if this works for you so non-monogamy doesn't work for everybody so what we've had to do is figure out what it looks like for us Mm -hmm. and my family especially in the beginning was not very open to it just like the queerness and then eventually we just kind of had to be like this is our life Mm -hmm. we're doing this ethically we're doing this um we love each other we're talking through it you know like we do we have you know therapy individually and couples therapy like we're like you know very it's so important to us to make sure that we're doing everything the best way that we can and using the tools Mm -hmm. you know because a lot of people they use non-monogamy as like a last resort and they're like oh well um yeah we haven't been as intimate why don't we just open up our marriage or our, our relationship and then they start opening you know the doors to other people and then their insecurities start coming right in front of them and you aren't even like aware that it happens at first sometimes. And then you're like, Oh my God, I didn't, man, I didn't know I was going to feel that. So for us, we started open. And I think that that worked for us and not everybody, you know, needs to start Mm -hmm. that way. Not everybody has the relationship that we do um, and the communication skills Mm -hmm. that we do. Uh, So I, I think that having more love just makes us love each other more and just like seeing the value and like if somebody can take care of her, you know, especially if I'm unavailable, you know, I'm doing X, Y, Z, and then she's taken care of, then I need to see the full value in that. And that's just amazing. That just means we've got a bigger village.
1: That's what it seems like. It seems like it's born out of love, not out of, I'm not happy. I need more. You know, like it exactly. it seems like a, a more inclusive arrangement.
0: Yeah, my mom, I remember before we got married. How did
1: you convince your parents of all of this?
0: Yeah, she was like, but why not just, y'all are getting married. So why <laughs> not just you and Candy just be to, like, can you just, and I'm like, mom, this is our relationship and this works for us. Was it important
1: <laughs> for you to share this with your mom and not keep it under wraps of just this is our life?
0: Uh, I'm pretty open with my mom at, at this point in my life too, because I think there's, you know, education in there for her and vi- visibility, yeah, and helping to just unstigmatize um, queer people and non-monogamous people, and saying, oh, we're doing it ethically. Yeah, we we get tested. We you know all the all the safe
1: and ethically is is open communication Mm -hmm. open it's it's respectful there's no uh you know there's no malice Mm -hmm. um or it's not cheating you know what i mean it is uh and and it sounds like you're doing it responsibly as well right
2: with the larger question of you know where is my place in changing the culture i feel like our place in changing the culture is to destigmatize mm-hmm. the gender norms and to destigmatize the uh, the the thoughts about non-monogamy. And so I like to think that I, I'm not going to hide or apologize for anything if it's not wrong. And if I don't feel like the ethical non-monogamy that I'm practicing, I don't feel like any part of that is wrong. And so therefore, I shouldn't feel like I have to hide it. Mm. I shouldn't feel like um, in front of certain company that I can't mention that I have a, a girlfriend in addition to my husband and that there's nothing wrong with that. It's not you want to get rid of the taboo status because you want to project the environment and the um the kind of levels that you want to see in the world, and so mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to happen unless you make the change on the small level and and keep making a difference small, little by little.
1: I think I've seen more and more of ethical non monogamy than I ever have before. There are communities there. Um, I have done shows kind of addressing it as well, where I just think I just think everything is kind of being broken down and rebuilt in a different way. I just hope, I just hope, you know, I, I, I think about your parents living in a small town, rural Georgia, where, you know, kind of deep seated in, in those Southern, very binary kind of roots. And I, I wonder how, what do you think helped your parents accept you as you needed to be accepted? because I know you said it was a process and it was hard.
0: I think that it was, like you said, a a process and there's been evolutions of that as well. And I think that meeting Candy and being with her, she really helped motivate me communicating to them how important it was, like I would get misgendered by my parents in the beginning a ton. And at first, you know, we were just dating. She was like, okay, I'm not going to like talk to your parents and correct them. And then after a while, then we were engaged. And she was like, your dad can't keep doing this, you know. And she would correct my What dad. did that
1: look like? What was misgendering in, in, this, in that case?
0: So he would use like my dead name so that sometimes in the... Is trans- that what you
1: call a dead name? So okay.
0: in the community, sometimes that can be like your previous g- right. given name yeah, yeah. versus your chosen name. Yeah. And so, or your legal name, you know, if you will. And so he would dead name me and misgender me using she, her pronouns. And at the time, especially, I was like super he, him, not open to he, they, or definitely not she. And so it was hard. You
1: never liked she. No. Never liked it.
0: I mean, which, which is interesting because I feel the more I'm coming in my journey, the more Occasion, I never really get misgendered that often anymore mm-hmm. it's very rare on mm-hmm. the phone I get misgendered more than I do anything which mm. is like I'm like uh-huh, you're cute <laughs> um but I also see like sometimes when I'm misgendered I'm like oh okay they see me in a way if that makes sense and sometimes people don't and they're just like and I just like I'm like okay I'm just gonna convince myself mm-hmm. because I am so much more than male or female I am so much more than that and That's also like cisgender people, like you and my wife, Candy, here are more than just a cisgender person. You Mm -hmm. have different, you know, she can be way more butch than I can. Okay. There was one time I was practicing for a routine and she was hot, she was rewiring our dryer. Okay, and I was wearing my old prom dress because it was like a storytelling routine.
1: I kind of want to be there for this.
0: And I literally looked at her and I was like, babe, what are we doing right now? Like, that looks I'm like in a, a
1: perfect Instagram photo. I'm
0: in a dress and you're re- rewiring our dryer right now. So it's like breaking the norms of that too to where like when we're seen in public, sometimes people just assume that like we're a cis couple and they're like, oh, but does she know that he's gay? Mm. <laughs> But he seems effeminate. Mm. So
2: just to clarify for (laughs) the the visuals that... Um, At the current moment, I present very feminine and Frankie is like a genderqueer masculine presentation so that when we switch roles where I'm the one who's butching and wiring something up and he's wearing a dress that he's rehearsing for a Mm dance routine, that's kind of him taking the feminine role for a moment and me taking what would be considered a more stereotypical masculine role in that moment. And it's fun to not be limited or not to hold yourself back and to be able to cherry pick the exact... Qualities that you want, and to not be stuck inside of a box or a definition of what your gender should be or what yeah. your role should be in your relationship, because you get to set those terms.
1: Yeah. So where was that? So I I got off on a tangent on the on the mis misgendering of your dad. Where Where was the breaking point?
0: So there was one time um, I can remember at one of her burlesque shows before I was like doing burlesque, I think more, and I invited my parents and it was like a few weeks before gay pride and my parents were originally supposed to come with us and it was going to be a thing. So anyway, I invite my parents. Were they
1: resistant to it or were they like, all right, um,
0: they were into going to pride. Okay. The, the identify, you know, using my pronouns and stuff like that was an issue in my name. Mm -hmm. So I invited them to my, you know, in Atlanta to where my turf where I'm comfortable, these are my people. And my dad, even the jeweler that I got her engagement ring was there, you know, like with her trans husband like and my dad kept misgendering me and using my dead name and then people are looking around like who the fuck is he talking about like looking around and like there was just this moment where i just like was like and i just like was so mad and sad and like i went outside and she kind of like followed me up there and i was like crying and she was like your dad needs to see you like this and I was mm. like, no, I don't want to see him. No, go inside. This is your show. I don't want to. She was like, your dad needs to see you like this. And then like, I think we called my dad and they came up in the um, parking lot and my dad and I just got into it. And then we didn't talk for a few weeks. And after that, I feel like it kind of just changed things to where it took him a while still to respect and do the pronouns thing. It took. It's taken years. However, I think that like ripping the band-aid off in that moment like it making it uncomfortable and him seeing me crying and being like how would you come to my comfort zone and do this to me mm-hmm. i trusted you i allowed you to come in here you know and so i think after that kind of changed and that's why candy is such a big point in my story because her being an ally for me has been a huge part of it because allies that's what's gonna really make change you know we'd be we go out to a restaurant and they'd say hey ladies how are y'all doing and then I would just like sink into the chair mm. and then they would say what would you like and she'd say I'll take a sweet tea and he will take a Dr. Pepper mm-hmm. and then like the person's like oh you know and makes it very casual not threatening yeah and so she kind of advocated for me to where that kind of made me yeah yeah I'm he yeah thank you You know, Mm -hmm. because sometimes as trans people and gender nonconforming people. We don't want to correct people. So if somebody misgenders you or uses the wrong name, sometimes you're just like, I'm just going to put up with this because I don't want to have to deal with it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oops. Oh, I just assumed, but I'm sorry. I'm making this about me now Mm -hmm. versus like if I misgender somebody, the best proper way to respond. If you, so say I am talking to candy and she misgenders me or someone else. Right. And, the person says they them and she would say thank you they them move on mm-hmm. you thank the person oh thank you I made a mistake great yeah moving on and even me an activist a trans activist in the community I'm not perfect sometimes I mess up people's pronouns and I even I've done it like one time recently and I was like oh my god and I tried to like give myself grace and I said you're not perfect you didn't know that this person changed their pronouns you know so if you see it that way, then, I mean, it's not a big deal. You know, my parents, after they were kind of like, oh, oh, now I get it. You're just trying to exist and just mm-hmm. trying to be. Yeah. And this actually doesn't do anything bad to my life. Why does this do anything to affect me? Hm. No, I'm just the parent of, okay. Why? Am I hurting anyone? No. My, what's, what's the problem? I'm just trying to exist. You know, and if you can just ask questions like what are your pronouns all this kind of stuff like this is what opens up the door to change this is what people start wearing their pronouns cisgender people like, you know, like you and candy like when you go to somewhere and you say hi, my name is Allison. What are your pronouns my pronouns are she her and the person says thank you so much for asking my pronouns are he they, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just that's it moving on and that small little conversation could change the entire dynamic and those small little tiny conversations are what opens up this door of change that can just normalize trans people and putting people in the same category like being like okay let's not completely marginalize this entire community why don't we just we're all human you know like why not just accept people
1: Frankie, when do you feel the most embodied?
0: I would say being on stage is fun and I, it is empowering. I think I feel the best when I can create a space for, you know, trans and gender nonconforming people to feel comfortable being themselves so like when I cut somebody's hair and I give them a gender affirming haircut is a small example which is not small that's a big thing that's a big step in someone's journey but like I've been given some really amazing opportunities to be visible in the community like I was a uh, featured uh, in the Gorin, Had, Gorin hat ad and to just show visibility and for me like I hope people look at me in the Goren at the time for that month and they're like, Oh my gosh, that's me. Or that could be, you know, and that small bit of visibility. It's like, cool. That's awesome. And all that. But like, for me, it's not as much of the cool points versus like the, the visibility and the lives that you can change and the change that you can help create.
1: That's so powerful. Candy, what do you know that you wish other people could know?
2: That is a great question. What do I know that I wish other people should know? Um, it is... I'm blinking right now. What do I know that I wish other people should know?
1: I think being in your position, you know, you are... There aren't a lot of... I. Don't, there aren't a lot of... I don't know, you know, like it, you have chosen a path... And fallen in love with somebody that not everybody has that opportunity to do that. And you've supported him throughout a a really big arc of a journey. You know, from your position as an ally, as somebody who's married to a trans person, what do you know that you wish other people could know?
2: I wish that other people could know that loving your person throughout their entire journey is possible. And you don't have to put your person into a box so that they stay into a category that fits with the box that you've put yourself in. Yeah. To be open to evolution, to be open to modification, to not let the labels keep you in a box, but let the labels describe you wherever you are on the current journey. And don't be afraid to modify your labels over time. And um, just to base your decisions in love. And if if you're trying to make a decision, and then if you think about the motivation for your decision, if your decision is motivated by an insecurity, then that's not the right decision. You know, I don't want you to transition mm. because... It would make me feel insecure about my status as a lesbian, you know, or um, I don't want to use he, him pronouns for you because then I would have to open my mind up to think that that there's something outside of the box. Those are decisions that are based on an insecurity. And so if if your decision is based on insecurity, then you need to reevaluate your situation and overcome your insecurity, challenge yourself to overcome that insecurity instead of holding People around you to um, to fulfill your insecurity, and that goes with non monogamy as well. Um, that um, instead of thinking that person is only going to be together with their one partner, and that if you open that up a little bit more, does that does that make you feel insecure? Yeah. Well, then challenge your own insecurities because there's nothing wrong with people loving multiple people. You can love your siblings. You can love your parents. Love is infinite. Time is finite, but love is infinite. And so when you don't restrict love because of your own insecurities. That I think is really
1: powerful for humans in general, you know, because I think from a humanistic perspective to love somebody as human, but to be confident enough in yourself to love yourself enough um, to be able to do that, that's freaking culture changing. What about you, Frankie? What do you know that you wish other people could know?
0: Uh, you know, touching on what Candy said, when I remember when I, you know, identified, quote, you know, as a lesbian when I was younger and a girl that I was dating, her mom had a problem with me being, you know, a girl at the time. And I remember telling her, like, I wish your mom could just see me as a person. Mm. Like, I wish that she would just not just see me as this, you know, person converting you or whatever she wants to convince herself of. And you know that was something that like I didn't even know in hindsight, like, oh, man, that's a foreshadowing, if you will, being trans. And so when people, especially like some of the stuff she tells me in some of the groups that she's in, talk about, you know, oh, I don't want my partner to transition medically because I'm not going to be attracted to them anymore. And they make it about them. Like she's saying, like, you're making it about yourself like this person is the same person like are you going to say that if they remove their chest that you're going to just not be attracted to them like that's just ignorance in my eyes and you know that's from a personal trans perspective you know mm-hmm. so and i've also been with you know the girl that i was with before her like was like no please don't get top surgery like i love your chest you know and really was excited to be holding on to that lesbianite lesbian identity and just didn't see how ignorant that was, you know, to be with someone like me and continue to be with me and say, no, I'm not going to use those pronouns. No, I'm not going to do that. And so with that, if people would just open up your mind a little bit and say, am I trying to leave this person because I'm insecure about this, or am I just trying to leave this person because we're not compatible? And I'm just using this as an excuse, mm. or what's the reasoning behind it? Because, Sounds like
1: a deeper self journey. <laughs> exactly. So,
0: like, it's probably something deeper, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And later on in life, you might be mad at yourself because you'll be like, man, now five years later, I, in hindsight, had this friend that told me about this kind of thing. And now I'm like, man, I was a really big asshole to this person that I was dating. and." We were really compatible, but I was just ignorant at the time, and they're actually the same person. Even though I was just unaware that they're not going to change completely, they're just going to change presenting-wise, you know. So if people just see that reception, even as a person of a friend or family, um, you know, your family member, your friend is not going to change. That's the same person. They're in the same skin as they were in before. It's just going to be a little bit changed. You know and a little bit more comfortable for them, so stop making it about yourself.
1: Mm. So, how can people find you?
0: So, you can find me on Instagram at Everyhead Is My Canvas and uh, my website as well, Everyhead Is My Canvas.com.
2: And for me, I am Candy Liqueur on Instagram, and so that is C A N D I underscore L E C O E U R and Frankie owns is the owner and head master barber at head canvas barbershop and so you can look at head canvas barbershop on Instagram as well and I also produce a monthly burlesque show it's called the unwrapped burlesque show at my sister's room which is the only standing lesbian bar in the southeast at this point in time and so come out and is see that us. right that's yep. correct wow yes mm-hmm.
1: that's embarrassing
0: right it's the sound? you know <laughs> right? what i mean
2: well, they've shut down over time unfortunately mm. so um you can come out and see us perform at burlesque and then follow us on instagram and then to see when we're performing and to see whenever we're doing any presentations and to follow along
1: and i think even your instagram accounts are really helpful for an ally and somebody like me who does you know who's not in that world Um, but even just to understand and be more supportive just for an education perspective. So I thank you both so much for being here. It was such a pleasure. What a joy. I'm so grateful to Frankie Love and Candy LaCour for sharing their stories. Sitting with them both, I felt so much love and hope, not only for each other, but for humanity as a whole. It was really something to behold of somebody that really, really embraced love. And I loved how they were both advocating so fiercely for the rights of the transgender and queer communities. You can find their contact info in the show notes, and I'm so grateful to them both. In the meantime, if you want more culture impacting stories like this and straight up confessions from me, go to allisonhair.com and get in touch. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.